Nothing said on the hive mind is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only, and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our own opinions, not financial advice. Hi, everyone. My name is Jose Macedo, and welcome to episode four of the Hive Mind podcast. The goal of the podcast is, as always, to provide an inside look into what we like to call the Delphi Hive Mind, bringing together some of our brightest minds from each of the divisions to share insights, alpha, and ship posts. So today with us, we have Ceteris Paribus, also known as Ceteris, from our institutional research arm, who focuses on blockchain infrastructure and DeFi, and he's just come back from Breakpoint, so we're going to talk about that. We have Jan Lieberman, managing partner of, of Delphi Ventures, and Ventures Associate Duncan, also known as Flood Capital, prodigious shitcoin scavenger and investor. I lead Delphi Labs, our protocol R&D arm, focused on incubating and accelerating new Web3 primitives. So, it looks like the tech is good again, or it was until a few minutes ago. Uh, some thoughts on, on price action recently. <clears throat> yeah, so for context, November 9th, uh, 11.15 EST, so this is like an hour or two after the ETH ETF rumor. Um, got, or not the rumor, the BlackRock, uh, not filing, but like the pre-filing step. Um, and yeah, we just uh, sold off a decent amount. But yeah, I mean, last uh, last couple of weeks, the market has been, I mean, doing a lot better, obviously. Solana... There's been like a lot of excitement there. It was just at breakpoint. The vibes were pretty good. Um, I'm not sure what it, what the vibes would have been like if uh, the price wasn't doing well, like leading up to that. But uh, that's like the first, I guess, bullish conference we've seen in a long time where you actually had follow through after the conference too. So, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah, the last uh, one I had to leave one of the one of the parties here in Lisbon, like emergency because of the FTX thing, to try and withdraw some money. Uh, it was like literally happening, happening during Breakpoint. So yeah, good to have a bullish conference once in a while. And yeah, I, th- I think today we'll, we'll start with Solana and then we're going to move on to discussing the Celeste launch and Cosmos and a few other bits and pieces. But yeah, any more, any more thoughts on, on price, guys? Yeah, I mean... Uh... <laughs> I think it's it's helpful that there's this specific very bullish catalyst that's actually you know I, I think the, the the pump right now is uh, on rumors that it was going to be launching sooner than expected right you saw like there was a massive call buying and people thought there was insiders and and kind of a lot of uh, spot buying and so um, I actually think it's it's definitely a lot better if it plays out where the launch isn't until early January, just because it allows price to kind of gradually grind higher rather than letting the catalyst play itself out. Um, you know, the having catalyst is, is I think kind of negligible in the grand scheme of things. And, and it's basically going to be this and uh, like a, a fed pivot. And that's the two really primary ones. So letting this one kind of uh, have more time to take its courses is, is definitely better for price yeah i think um only real thing to add is with the eth with like blackrock filing that llc for for the eth uh, shares etf i think that that could maybe put in a bottom on the uh eth btc ratio which has just been like falling to the floor for a while true um all right so solana ceteris europe breakpoint yeah, so breakpoint. I mean, the the mood was pretty good. Um, the conference was, yeah, people were like generally pretty excited. Um, you know, comparing it, I went to ETCC and Modular Summit too. So the biggest difference is, I mean, obviously it was smaller. Uh, I think there's probably like thirty five hundred people, um, but like everybody there for the most part, at least like 90% of people are just like Solana builders, Solana bulls, and are pretty like deep into that ecosystem, right? Which is a bit different than 
when you go to like a big Ethereum conference, you basically have everybody from everywhere. Um, and so it's like a much more, I guess, intimate type of feel. Also, so that's one main difference. The other main difference is that there's literally zero infra talk at Solana conferences, right? Because it's like not relevant um, for the most part. Like there's definitely, there's like Fire Dancer talk. Um, there were, so there were some pitches there. Like Actually, maybe maybe going back, you, you've been covering, sorry to interrupt, but you've been, you, you wrote a, you've been covering Solana for quite a while. You wrote like a really good report that's probably responsible for me sizing it to Solana the way I did earlier 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 this year. Um and like what's your overall Solana thesis, I guess? Cause Yeah. Yeah. Um so I think that it'll be like the most uh performant single layer. <clears throat> so most like composable, most single chain with like can handle the most activity on it. Uh it's the only chain that you can really have payments at mass scale. And so payments are kind of been this OG use case that has never materialized in this industry. And because we've never had like uh, the infrastructure for it. And so with that, um, by like never getting basic payment infrastructure, there's this entirely underexplored space of like actually building on top of payment rails, right? So just like the basic payments isn't too interesting for me. And I'm not like... I wouldn't say I'm like bullish on in-person payments using like crypto rails because people just want to use like credit card and like Venmo or whatever. But it's more so like the the digital rails. And, you know, if you can imagine something like like Twitter or X that had like Solana USDC rails on the back end, right? Uh, and things like that. And so that's, so I would say that payments is probably the biggest sector that, it's like Solana's to, to, to win. And like, they don't want to mess that one up because <laughs> that's, that's really where they can make the biggest difference compared to, to everything else. Cause I don't think you obviously can't do payments on like ETH L1. Um, but I also don't think like an app chain or an L2 makes sense for payments either. Cause it's too janky and it's too like bridging and all that stuff. Um, I don't think that really makes too much sense either. Uh, I know like Gnosis Pay has tried this thing where they've got their L2 on a uh, Gnosis chain, which is like a side chain and people can like bridge their money like to this specific L2 and all that. But I just think that's like a bit too convoluted for the average person, like crypto natives will use it. Um, but I do think... Mm. Is there a good Solana payments product to... to that you've tried that you, that you like because Gnosis Pay actually I don't know if you tried it works pretty they well they don't have any of the so they don't have the Gnosis Pay um, like debit cards I don't think uh, so is like that the thing that you've tried no you have like the multi-sig IBAN number things we could do like bank yeah, transfers yeah yeah so the, yeah the virtual IBAN so there aren't any of that yet um, but I did yeah I did talk to some payment scenes and I think like that's something people are interested in and I guess there's no re reason why you can't really do that on Solana either. Um, so that's like, that's a, yeah, that's a good for like on and off ramps. Um, I don't know if I totally consider that payments though. It's like rails, like fiat crypto rails. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that's a good product from Gnosis. And then, and then, yeah, the other sectors, I guess people, obviously there's a lot of excitement on, um, you know, this deep end stuff, which I'm not 100% sure how I feel about a lot of them yet. But I do think that the like the upside and the good part about deep end is that it's the only deep end for those listening, uh, decentralized physical infrastructure. Yeah, Helium right. is, is one, right? Where people do these notes, Hive Mapper is another, where you get like these dash cams. People drive and map the world, sort of deal. Um, what I like about what I like about Deepin is that it's kind of the only sector that actually gets like a competitive advantage from the like decentralization distribution of it. Versus, if you look at you know DeFi and all these DAOs or all these other things we've come up with, decentralization is always kind of like forced on it, and sometimes just for regulatory purposes. And it's 
like a competitive disadvantage to have a lot of people. I mean, you can look at just the Cosmos hub and you can kind of see what like decentralized governance does to, I mean, things I, like a, it's hard to get people to agree on stuff, but deep in like you actually are able to kind of bootstrap physical networks a lot quicker than a centralized company would. So that's why I do find it interesting. Um, and yeah, so Solana has been putting a lot of effort, I think, in trying to get a lot of these deep end teams there. But like, what's the, um, yeah, what is, and, and what was the story with Helium? Like they moved to their own chain and then they moved back to, to, to yeah. Solana. <clears throat> so that was pretty impressive. There's a presentation on that. I didn't see it, but they basically took the entire Helium chain and moved it into Solana, uh, like at once which is kind of crazy to just like take the entire chain. And they did that during the Mad Lads Mint back in April, which was kind of a busy day. Uh, and yeah, everything went smooth. I'm not sure Helium, they have this $5 like uh, unlimited plan in Miami. I don't know how much demand it has yet. Um, I don't know if like just cost alone is going to allow something like that to take off. It, has, it actually just has to be like an overall better product. Uh, and so, yeah. What, what do you other? What, what does everyone else think of Deepin? And like, do you buy this argument that it uniquely benefits from crypto? Because it seems like it's benefiting just from the fact that you can incentivize things with tokens, and so more people buy the things. But yeah, it's like capital formation yeah. of it. I think that's when people say it but that's not crypto. I think they're talking about the capital. That's formation. not really crypto. <laughs> like, I mean, it is, but like, yeah, I don't know. You can yeah, say it's kind of a way to bootstrap something by giving someone upside in its success. So rather than needing cash, you, you give them equity. Um, and it's just a kind of an easier way to do it. The, the, the questions are around whether it ends up being more cost efficient than, than like centralized competitors, right? That's what it ultimately boils down to. Yeah. I mean, crypto has shown you can definitely bootstrap a supply side to anything, whether it's, you know, Axie or Stepin or, or anything like this, but so far, there hasn't been, and on the deep end side, especially, there hasn't been too much of a demand side, right, to kind of complement that. For sure. And what's the stuff that's happening on chain with, with, with that, with Helium and, and things? It's just like all the transactions to actually pay for the data and reconciliation and all that. I know they use a bunch of the NFT minting on, on Solana. Yeah, so they use the compressed NFTs to identify like hotspots and what hotspots people own. And so that's how they know how to like issue kind of like payments and rewards. And then, and then, yeah, it's all the, the minting and burning and it's just a lot of transactions and like they're pretty basic transactions. Right. Um, but you just need to hit so many accounts all the time. And so that's why, that's why they need Solana. Yeah. I think the bull case for Solana is like, uh, obviously the payments thing, you get some of these defi you get some of these deep in, uh, projects and then you have like a pretty good DeFi eco, but I think that DeFi in general, not just for Solana, needs to kind of be back-end infra in the long run. Uh, I don't think that DeFi can be the main product that <clears throat> people use. Like you, you know, you want people who are maybe participants in like these deep end systems that actually want to use these DeFi protocols, um, you know, to like get financing or whatever for what they're doing for some of these other products. I don't think De like DeFi in itself can be the main, uh, the main like end game. So, and why do you think DeFi hasn't picked up on, on Solana? Cause even with the price pump, they're just like, there still isn't even that much like staked Solana on Solana, right. Compared to staked ETH and, and, and stuff like that. And well, li liquid, you liquid, you mean, right. Cause there's yeah. a lot of stakes Solana. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, like liquid stakes. Uh, the I mean, yeah. Gito Sol has been, been increasing a lot. They were like two mil a couple weeks ago. I think they're over six or like seven now. So they're starting to see like a big increase. Um, I think that, you know, it's a lot of people, first of all, have low cost basis on Sol. And so they don't know if liquid staking is a tax event. And then there's also more smart contract with uh, risk with a liquid staking token. And when so if there's not like a massive incentive, if you're going to get the same kind of yield with the LST versus just staking natively, then there hasn't been an incentive. But now with like Jupiter's launching a token soon, um, which is going to be a big one, 
Pith is like launch their token. So yeah, uh, there's a lot less liquid staking on Solana. Main main reason is that uh, on a, on Ethereum there is no like delegated staking. So if you're comparing it to that, the only way for most people to stake on Ethereum because they're not gonna stake themselves uh, is to buy a liquid staking token, right? So that's just like in general leads to way more issuance. If you look at liquid staking on in like other ecos, it's like also very low. Right. Which, I mean, there's not a, a lot of demand for DeFi and other ecosystems either. So it's hard to say too much. But you've seen a big uptick uh, in like GeoSol the last couple of weeks. They're around like 2 million soul. They're like over 6 million soul now. Um, I think with more and more things to do on the chain, you've seen like capital has come in the last couple of days. Uh, there have been some like the trading volume is up a decent amount on chain uh and you know you got jupiter token soon you got pith doing their airdrop there's other you're probably going to get at least like two to four like of these tokens by end of year i think or maybe like early next year so if you look at like what people are trading on solana right now it's soul and then there's like no real legit project tokens, right? They're all just kind of like meme coins. Uh, and so, yeah, there, there's going to be, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a lot more to do there. And then and then at the end of the day, like what, what are the most used protocols in crypto? They're perp protocols, right? So uh, there's a bunch of like perp projects on Solana. I'm sure you'll start to see like activity pick up there too. Um, and then I don't know, like today, uh, no, you like, there's a lot of, there's, there are a lot of new users, especially from like, like Solana is a pretty big scene from India. Um, like those guys aren't going and using like Ethel one or even L twos a lot of the time. Right. And so there are a lot of people who have only, who have never actually used like Ethereum. They've only used Solana. Uh, and I think you'll see that more, especially like you look today over that ETH spike gas button back to 150 <laughs> and it's like that, you know, I don't know. It's, I think, uh, you'll see a lot more cause there's going to be a lot more to do coming up. So makes sense. Um, and a lot of people, I mean, you've, you've been onto this for, for, for ages, but a lot of people at Breakpoint were also talking a lot about Fire Dancer. Um, can you explain like what that is and, and why it matters so much? Why, why people are so kind of bullish on it? Yeah. So Fire Dancer is a complete rewrite of the Solana Validator client uh, in C. So it's like very low level. So they're basically doing redoing everything from scratch. Um, and the Solana client has a kind of bad reputation. Um they kind of put it together because they needed to have a client to like hit mainnet uh, when they did it. So it was kind of rushed. And there was a lot of, there's a lot of things like, I mean, it was the responsible for at least one of like the downtimes, right? And so Fire Dancer is built by Jump Crypto. Uh, basically, they're taking, they're kind of like taking all their HFT alpha over the last 20 years and putting it into this open source client. Um and so they have this there's three parts to it there's like the networking component there's their the rewrite of the svm and then there's the consensus engine so they just got the networking component which is like quick uh it's like you know sending receiving transactions to other validators um they got that on testnet now and that's expected to go live first half of next year and then uh, I think by the end of next year, they said, but realistically, I would guess like 2025, um, the full client and people are excited about this. I'm actually not sure if it, if Fire Dancer wasn't a thing, I actually don't know where Solana would be right now because you talk to everybody and everybody brings up Fire Dancer in like Solana Eco is one of the main reasons they're bullish, right? And if you go to, I mean, I went to one of the Fire Dancer presentations with Kevin Bowers and uh, I mean I'm, I'm not gonna lie like most of the stuff was over my head I think it was over the head of a lot of people in the room um, but but 
it's basically just like paralyzing compute. They sped up like signature verification 2x, um, which can just like you know reduce latency uh, with like you know consensus and stuff. So yeah, a lot of people are just like very bullish on that team. And I mean, it's probably you think about a blockchain. It is it hosts all these financial applications. Um, it creates like all this MEV, all these other externalities. Uh, and so like, who's the right, who are the right people to kind of architect, uh, like a validator client for it. I mean, maybe it's an HFT firm. I don't know. Like, but it seems reasonable that. And so it's basically going to make Solana faster and work better. And then is everyone just going to upgrade? Every validator is going to upgrade to this client. Yeah, so there's two there's two things with Fire Dancer. Like the first one is just pure performance, and I mean, nobody knows exact numbers, uh, but it will be much more performant than the Labs client. Uh, so it'll allow for like it basically increasing the supply of like Solana block space, right? Um, increasing throughput, increasing transactions, all that. Uh, and then the other angle is of it is client diversity, and so. Solana has one client, two if you count Gito, but it's mostly the labs one that's forked and then they added Gito MEV on it. And so if there's ever a bug in that client, which has happened, the chain just has to halt. It just has a liveness problem, right? Um, and I mean, this happens in like Tenderman chains too. Like Cosmos chains have, have had liveness issues a bunch before. Um, but like if you look at uh, something like Ethereum, they have like pretty good client diversity, right? So if one client starts having issues, the rest of the network can still continue, right? And so that's one of the reasons people are also excited about financiers because you have this new client. Um, it'll increase diversity. Some will, you know, theoretically, some would run Firedancer, some would run the Labs client. Uh, in reality, though, I don't think this will do anything for client diversity because unless you're like a really large validator, um, and you're making like a lot of money, then sure, maybe you'll run like another client as a backup just in case. Uh, but for the, the majority of people, they're just going to run Firedancer because it's the best one. It's the most performant. It For like purely economic reasons, it doesn't make sense for them to run another one. Because if you run a slower one, like it's also unclear. Like let's say everybody runs Firedancer and then everybody runs Solana Labs as like a backup. It's like not clear how... If there's like a bug in Fire Dancer, how the network would actually continue with this client that is much less performant. Like it'll get better, but it'll still be much less performant. And then there's the whole like handoff situation. So, so yeah, I think Fire Dancer is going to be very like <clears throat> bullish from like performance angle. I think it presents like kind of a new centralization vector because nobody is going to really understand how to maintain this thing besides the fire dancer team and maybe you'll have like some other really smart people come in but like the you gotta keep in mind like this guy kevin bowers who's the lead architect is i mean he's like one of the smartest people in the world there's not a lot of people that can is he the guy who was at bell labs or yeah bell labs and so there's not there, I think that you're you're gonna have to be relying on the fire dancer team, and so what happens if like I don't know they just stop supporting it or something, um, which I don't really think would happen. But it's just again it's this other, uh, yeah. So I don't think it'll be good for client diversity. I think it'll, I mean it won't hurt for client diversity. I just don't think it'll be. They put some pie chart up at the conference and it was like twenty five percent for each pie and like there's no way that's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's, it'll, it'll help. I don't know. There's like a bunch of unclear answers there, but no, I mean, people, people are excited. Like also, I also think a lot of these like Solana DeFi builders too, did come from finance backgrounds. Yeah. Like, like trading, like trading backgrounds. So it's a very different, I don't think that a lot of the people who built DeFi protocols on Ethereum came from that like specific type of background, right? Like maybe some, but it's. Yeah. It's a very different culture. I think. That, that's one of the things that makes me very 
that this always like historically made me very bullish on Solana is that from the beginning it felt like one of the only ecosystems that really had developed like its own culture and its own sort of like dev pipeline that wasn't just like people who came through Ethereum and became disillusioned somehow. Like a lot of people came straight to Solana. Like they did really, really well with the campus recruiting. I think Jump brought in a lot of people with their with their recruitment. Um, and like, it is a lot of finance people, also a lot of like startup people. In general, it's a lot of engineers versus like researchers and more um, like paper writers, you know, where Solana is like a lot of very engineering focused, like problem solving focused startup people. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. Yeah. They also feel very strongly that they're doing they're they have the right architecture, um, and like not just that they're right that what other systems are doing are just like totally going in the wrong direction, and they feel like very strongly about that. And I agree with you. They do. They are way more engineering focused, and they kind of. Uh, I guess shit on like the research focus of maybe some other ecosystems, at least a bunch of the people that I talk to. Um, it's just a different, it's just different mindset. So I'm not saying they're necessarily going to be right in the long run, but um, like the, they're all kind of aligned if that's the right word um, that, you know, this is the right yeah. architecture. And obviously price has been, pretty insane uh over the last month or whatever but curious what what do you think is the is like the biggest risk for for solana i mean we're all you know pretty bullish i think we've been we've obviously written a few reports on it um we we hold solana disclaimer but uh like what do you think of the main risks i guess from <clears throat> yeah so i had this tweet the other day i guess good fud <laughs> um i think the there's a few things one of them is that their fee markets so they have these isolated fee markets where, you know, if you have like two applications, you have four applications running and one of them has a lot of demand for it. And then the other three don't that like fees will only spike for one. And then the other three will, will stay kind of low. Um, and then they have these priority fees where if you want to like, you know, get in faster, you, you up uh, your priority fee. So like theoretically, these fee markets are very like they're a great design. Um, but in reality, like the actual implementation of it is not there. Like you can, for the most part, it still is a latency race in Solana for like getting your transaction first. And so having a priority fee, you could have a priority fee of like one soul and someone just sends a standard soul transaction and like is spamming it and they can still get in before you. So it's not like the implementation isn't fully fleshed, fleshed out. And so. I think a risk for Salon is like if if we're actually entering a bull market here and if all this demand comes back, um, I think there's like really good, you know, fee markets are a good way to kind of meter demand, right? And if the fee markets aren't really working as well as they could be, um, I mean, you could definitely you could definitely see another outage. Like there's no way I would tell you that there's... <laughs> Like, I think there's a pretty decent chance that there's going to be an outage again, like in the next year, especially with a bunch of demand coming back. And so for some sectors, that doesn't really matter. But if you ever want to make it, you know, a DeFi chain, like there's still there's still that there's still that big risk there. Um, I'd say another thing is, is, again, I talked about like the financer centralization aspect of it. Um, it's. It's like bullish and bearish. Like I think finance will be good. It's just um, you're going to be very dependent on on jump. Um, and then there's like a pretty big closed source ethos, which is changing a bit, but it is it is still there. People will say like they 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 they'll like bridge the soul and be like I don't know what to do here. Like everyone talks about soul, there's nothing to do here, which I don't like really disagree with. Uh, but at the same time, I look at what I do on like Ethereum and it's like I stake my liquid staking and then restake it. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like it's the reality that, I don't know, it's basically just trading right now, right? And so I don't think that just trading is going to be the only thing people use these systems for. Uh, and so that's why, I, like, I am excited about Solana 
with like the some of these other some of these other aspects like payments and if you can get like social networks on top or other things like that and then uh maybe maybe some of these deep in things work out too yeah it's mostly borrowing trading and and to a growing extent playing games so say so that's that's the majority of, of kind of on-chain ETH activity for me and um yeah i, I mean uh, i agree that like DeFi can't be um the only thing but without it there's so many things won't really work um because of of how directly or indirectly a lot of these incentive mechanisms like the financialization around the incentive mechanisms for for most things whether it's gaming whether it's deep deep in whether yeah whether it's DeFi itself uh and so you you really need that to to work in scale, and and so it, it's pretty surprising to see like TVL not pick up much on on Solana. Yeah, but the other thing too, though, with with Solana is like uh, so much of the liquidity on chain is in concentrated ranges. There's like not a lot of there's like no real like XYK type AMMs that people and like even with Phoenix on the order books and stuff, uh, and that's why you can get these big price moves if it like moves out of these small bands. For you see this on like a lot of these on-chain Solana things, where as soon as it moves out of like where everybody's providing liquidity, it just moves like a lot. Um, mm. What do you think of this fud uh, that that uh, people throw at it that like it's never gonna generate enough fees? You know, uh, it, it's like so scalable, transactions are so cheap that it's never really gonna generate fees. Um, uh, I mean, yeah. it definitely, uh, I mean, sure, yeah, the the value accrual is, I mean, of all these assets is probably the hardest thing. Like, if they're not somewhat of a money type asset, like, their upside is just capped. Um, but, uh, but, you know, fee markets change to a bit more of, like, a dynamic resource based, based on, like, compute. Because, um, like, right now in Solana, if someone takes up, 10 million compute units versus someone who takes up like 500k they pay the same price so it's obviously not an efficient like you're 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 getting way more resources out of these validators and you're paying the same amount so i think there's definitely things that can be done in the fee market um you get more economic activity you get more mev on the chain with like geo bundles uh and then if you get fired answer increases block space you know if you can actually get a consistent like if you can actually get like consistent like 50k plus <clears throat> TPS, um, you can run the numbers on that. Like it starts to become a lot more sustainable. So I don't think that I don't think the I don't think there's a point in really I think overanalyzing like you know Solana's revenue and stuff today is just like a massive waste of time. Like. Like, yeah, if it if this is the amount of activity it ever gets, then, yeah, it's probably not going to be a sustainable yeah. ecosystem. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, like, the, the, the other thing, I mean, uh, I agree. I also think that argument is, that's the argument that people were throwing at ETH in, in 2018, right? Like, the ETH bears, like, if anyone remembers Tetris Capital, their famous, like, ETH short, and uh, the John Pfeffer post and things like this, uh, it was all, like, yeah. Uh, and like scalability was sort of framed as being like bearish ETH because now block space gets cheaper and so there's less revenue. But it kind of just assumes that like the demand curve for block space is is like price inelastic rather than elastic, right? And it, that doesn't really make sense to me. I think with with most resources like compute and, and, and bandwidth and stuff historically, it's it's pretty elastic, right? Like as the price of compute dropped from like the 1970s, we didn't just get cheaper supercomputers. We got personal computers and then smartphones and AI. And like it enables new things where you, you end up using like way more compute rather than like the same amount cheaper. Um, and I think the same exact thing is going to happen on with, with blockchains where, you know, on Ethereum, maybe NFT's main use case is, is like PFPs because uh, transactions are so expensive that you can't do anything else. But on Solana, you can with the with the compression algorithms and stuff. Maybe you you can do a lot more creative things with NFTs. I think it just takes time for for that to play out. But I think it's a pretty dumb argument. Um, the other thing people say is that, like it's not going to be money, right? And like Anatoly's been pretty adamant about it not being like so not being money 
or not, not, you know. Yeah, I disagree with that money. too. You disagree with what? With Anatoly's take. Yeah, me too. Uh, I also think you shouldn't. You shouldn't say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's hundred percent has some moneyness, and it has like clearly it's money on Solana. Like, yeah, yeah. And this is also why I think when people talk about pricing NFTs in USDC, I'm like, no, that's so bearish for the like L1 that you're building on. Like, that's one of the main moneyness type things you can use this asset for. Um, but all these things are are money in like some sense. They have some moneyness to them. Like ETH is has obviously Bitcoin is the one that's like pure money, but anything else. Like ETH isn't valued on it's like income or like yield, yeah. right? So, and I think Sol. Yeah, I think be, whatever. Yeah, yeah if, if a network I feel like ends up winning and L one ends up winning or being like having a large, um, like market share, then like the L one asset is always going to be the most trustless, sort of like capital asset on that yeah chain. yeah and it's going to be money you also were like to some extent we're building like essentially online economies right and they're just free-floating currencies and that's just the way i look at it like all these networks have their own free-floating currency and there's like some moneyness to it uh some more than others yeah, I mean, most of these make zero revenue, right. so you have to call them. Basically, they're all money right now. So, like something like Adam, like, dude, like what? It, you have to just say that's money for like Cosmos people. I think it also, <clears throat> I think it also depends on like who you see your target users as. Like, I think a lot of people prefer USDC as you reach out to like more and more people. If this is like backend infrastructure. Like, yeah, maybe for pricing, like, the NFTs and stuff. But if you're, like, actually wanting to, like, broaden who you service, like, I feel like it has to be a more familiar currency. And also, like, predictability for revenues, predictability for, like, purchasing power. Like, you can't have, like, a bunch of people onboarded and then just, like, overnight they get, they lose, like, 20% of their value or something or over the course of a few months. Like, it's kind of hard to have moneyness when they're so volatile. Fair. Um, right. I think we kind of covered Solana pretty well. Um, anything else you guys want to cover? Like things you're particularly excited about or, or like tokens coming there or, or like projects or are we good to move on? I really like using Solana or just, I haven't used it a ton, but it is super smooth. I still think that the hurdle of EVM in maybe the next year or two, like still like a short term hurdle um for getting like more money over there but obviously you know if these technologies reach a lot of people then they'll they'll figure out like easier ways to get capital on boarded but definitely in the short term i still feel like that's a pretty yeah. significant struggle I do think this thing of like only trading happens like there's loads of stuff happening on evm that and that's the thing like wherever you look there's someone working on on some like problem that, that that's adjacent that you can leverage somehow whether it's ENS and then like all the social stuff around it or like the RWA stuff that, that pretty much only exists with decent liquidity on Ethereum, like uh, even like things that corporates are doing, whether it's Reddit or I guess Reddit also did some stuff on, on Solana, right? But like most of the stuff just ends up happening on Ethereum and that's, uh, that, that's like a huge um, moat that really requires like a lot of differentiation to break. And I think like Solana is one of the only networks that, that sort of has that. But uh, yeah, moving on, like Celestia launch. What do you guys, what do you think? What, what, are, your, what are your initial impressions? Um, and disclaimer, we're Delphi Ventures an investor in, in Celestia. Yeah, I guess it was like anticlimactic. Um, and then also just like, I mean, I was at Breakpoint, so I was just seeing, but there was also a lot of people, like a lot, they gave airdrops to like ETH research people and stuff. And so a lot of people had never used Cosmos before. And it was it would just like wasn't working well that day right like osmosis it was just overloaded couldn't handle the demand um i saw people like there bridging and it was like hours that it took to kind of get their tia tokens over 
And so that definitely wasn't a great like onboarding experience, I guess I would say. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that Celestia. I think you'll see more of these constructions with these rollups where um, I do think Celestia DA will get a bunch of usage from rollups because it's just going to be cheaper than Ethereum, even with like 4844. And so there's just applications that they just can't pay like uh, the ETH DA cost. And so you're going to have these things where they have this validating bridge on ETH so like they can use ETH. Right, they can use ETH on their rollup. It's the gas token, all this stuff. But then they use Celestia for DA, and so, or like even another DA service. But I think you'll see this like new rollup construction kind of happen a lot, where the DA is using some other layer, and then it also kind of makes sense for a lot of these Cosmos chains just to switch to. Just on the Tia thing, Celestia. It was, the, the price action was interesting because the secondaries. Like I was tracking the secondaries fairly closely and there were some deals that closed at like three bucks, basically, uh, like between two and three bucks. And that was on the secondaries, which is, I think, I think it's like, uh, either a six month or, or a one year cliff and then a two year unlock. Right. So kind of like three year illiquidity, uh, was, was, was trading like above or like at or above current market price, which is pretty surprising because secondaries tend to price things pretty well in my in my experience yeah um yeah i don't know why yeah people would be paying that what's the rationale there yeah unless i mean no, no, it was before decent... the launch was oh before, before the, launch. the launch got it yeah that's what i'm saying leading up to the launch they're they're training like their secondaries at two to three bucks so yeah i think it definitely underperformed people's expectations i mean i think part of it it's the 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 I don't know if you, I guess it is the cost, but it's not necessarily. I think it's a, a long-term positive, but short-term cost of of launching with, you know, like close to fifteen percent circ, versus something with like mid to low to mid single-digit circulating supply. I also just think though, like, how do I don't know if people know how to think about Celestia though, because like something like Sui is at like more than double Celestia right now. Same with Aptos. And Celestia, for a lot of people, it's like this modular thing. It's only DA. Like, is DA going to be this commodity that kind of just trends to zero? You can't, there's no smart contracts on Celestia. So you can't even like bridge it to like Celestia rollups. Yeah. Um, so then it doesn't, you can't use it in like Celestia rollups, DeFi protocols and all this. Um, and I know there's like solutions they, to like with CK that they can probably do this. Um, but it's, uh, it's not like a token you can actually use a lot in anywhere. Yeah, and all L1s offer data availability, right? So like, do some people just think of it as a subset of like the potential kind of L1 time? Obviously, yeah. yeah. I guess it depends like how bullish you are on <clears throat> this, you know, how many rollups and all that. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. I do think though, we'll probably see, I think you'll see one of the big rollups like... Optimism, Arbitrum, Polygon, I don't know, ZK saying Somebody is probably going to announce something where they're using Celestia for the game. I also think the big thing with Celestia uh, is like, it kind of shows the thing we discussed last time where, because I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't do like a market maker. Uh, well, they definitely didn't do a low float launch, but they didn't do like the, they, they didn't work with any market makers either. They just kind of launched it pretty organically with, with, with a big airdrop. And you kind of see how that, it does, uh, like it, it underperforms, right? Compared to at least if you think of it on a short term basis, right? I think there's there's definitely drawbacks to having this down only price action where basically every single person who comes into your community post launch is just going to get wrecked. But like from a pure price perspective, these launches. The yeah, especially lots of people. Like, is was most perspective. of the circulating supply just from the airdrop or all of it or? Um, yeah. Like, did they launch with any other sources? I like, yeah, if it's all airdrop and they did 15%, then I feel like it's going to be pretty difficult not to have some pressure in the beginning. Like, especially in this, like, environment. Yeah. Plus, I think it can do, can do well from here. Um, which is cool. Yeah. You want to, you want to move to the, to the Cosmos side of things, uh, I guess it links up pretty nicely with, with 
yeah, the issues with osmosis and stuff like that. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, where do you think Cosmos goes from here, I guess, is the question. And, like, how does that impact, like, IBC and, and everything? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the issues with the Celestia launch, definitely, it's just, like, uh, they just weren't ready for the, for the amount of traffic. Um, I think, like, even just cranking up the gas limit would have solved a lot of the issues. Like, Terra ran... With like a much higher gas limit than, than 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 osmosis does, and just doing that, I think would have would have solved a lot of the issue a lot of the issues. Long term, you definitely need like a fee market. Uh, obviously, like Skip is working on that. Um, I think I think it's coming out pretty soon. Like their version of sort of EIP one four four nine, one five five nine. But the the um, yeah, and then there's also like priority gas lane like priority transaction lanes and stuff like this that you can do with app chains. That, that you can't do with, with, with other things that I think are going to be very uh, sort of popular for liquidations and, and Oracle updates and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Cosmos still has, like to me, um, like Ethereum is, is clearly like winning. Like Ethereum and L2s and like the, the, the ZK narrative, I think is like clearly dominant right now. And I think to, to, to have a chance to compete, you have to like be 10x better on some dimension offer some feature that that's like 10 X better. Um, and I think Solana does that with its, with, with the speed and the, and the throughput and like, especially the being able to have that on, on a, on a single layer. And I think Cosmos does that with, with sovereignty. Like, I think there are a lot of applications, uh, for which sovereignty is going to make sense. And like perp dexes are definitely like the app chain product market fit right now. Uh, I think the DYDX is only going to accelerate that, but you also have like Hyperliquid, who, uh, you know, a lot of it's closed source, but the, the, the UX is very smooth and, and like there's stuff that they, that they could do with Cosmos SDK that they really couldn't do in any other way. And obviously DYDX is, is, is the same, like the in-memory order book and stuff like that. You just can't do that in, in, in any other way. Um, and, and at the same time, like I do think there's a regulatory overhang on these like single sequencer roll-ups that, that that's just like not really priced in right now um like those those sequencers as soon as things get serious are going to be very obvious like liability buffers um and then you have to like find a solution to that which slows everything down and and you know uh has its own set of issues um yeah i mean on that point i'm i'm just like not bullish on shared sequencers yeah like i just don't think they're gonna really be a thing um the more mev slower like <coughs> it's only a regulatory thing like that's really that's yeah. really uh, why you would I mean, my mid take thing for cosmos is like there's going to be a lot of applications that want their own chain the one sovereignty right like especially in crypto like it makes sense for like if you're a smart contract on top of a chain you're sort of like a company launching on a on a certain jurisdiction right you inherit the the like the the problems and the assumptions of that jurisdiction the legal system the police uh, all, all of that, right? Like the, the, the runtime, the, like whatever other applications are on there, the branding to some extent too, right? Uh, as you saw with, with, with Terra Collapse and applications that were on there. So like that's going to make sense for, for some, but others are going to want to start their own country, right? And, and have control of the entire stack, um, and have sovereignty effectively. Um, and I think perp dexes is, is one application that you've kind of seen product market fit for. And, but I think that's also because it's one of the only applications in crypto that has product market fit. And I do think as we see more applications get product market fit on existing L1s, a lot of them will end up pivoting to app chains as we saw with Perpdexes and we saw with like Stepin and, and, and applications on, on Solana before. So I think it'll be the end game for a lot of applications. But even before that, I think there's stuff like, for instance, network states. I think like the network state conference was, was super interesting. There's some people making real progress there. I think that's an obvious situation where having your own chain makes sense. Um, and I think if you want to build your own chain, Cosmos SDK is still like by far the best option um, in like according to our research and everything like that. And so if you think there's going to be more and more of them, then effectively like the GDP of, of Cosmos keeps growing um, and the, the number of, of, of tokens that, that are connected via IBC keeps growing and like Cosmos DeFi by association keeps keeps growing and that, that's kind of like my 
my, my bull case for, for Cosmos. Um, I also think like the ICF could, uh, is, is going through some changes, which, which could help things like the ICF. I found out at Cosmoverse has like a lot more money than I thought. Uh, it kind of makes sense why everyone in, in, in Cosmos is like a politician first, you know, like it, there's just a lot of money to, it's like a big pot of money to, to, to politic about. It's like 300 million bucks. Um, and, and they spent as much as the Ethereum Foundation in, in 2022, right? Which is pretty wild, like $50 million. Um, and, and I think you could direct that. And, and, and I think it's like making the right changes to, to direct that a lot better. Because right now it's not clear what the ICF's mandate really is. Like, is it Atom? Like, are they supposed to, to pump Atom or to do things for Atom? Or is it like Cosmos SDK or, or, or what? And, and Well, I saw they have this, uh, they're getting IBC to Avalanche. And I saw Zaki retweeted like, this is a side quest. Yeah, well, that's the, so why it, are we funding? Dude, the only two things that are connected to IBC is Polkadot and Avalanche right now. Those, those are the two that like, yeah. you, you just pick like the most side quest chains like everyone just to wants to get to like ethereum or solana like stuff too there's there's yeah, 75 super, versions of usdc and the nomenclature um, is like beyond autistic and and just even getting money there is really difficult yeah i mean no noble noble will fix the usdc thing i think there's like 20 mil now it's like phasing out the other stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that that's why I'm kind of like uh, cautiously bullish because I think a lot of those issues are being solved by like with good solutions and good teams tackling them. Um, yeah, and then I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like ICF's mandate and like Cosmos mandate generally should be to just have the maximum, have like the greatest number of a billion dollar plus market cap tokens that run on cosmos sdk and like chains that run on, on cosmos sdk right because um at that point like if you have dydx and injective and, and say and osmosis and all these chains running cosmos sdk then uh, even if the icf disappears like someone will always maintain the stack right and people will, will, will improve the stack like say did and like osmosis has done a bunch and, and that would like sort of be upstream to the entire ecosystem um and i think that's why like it really needs a bd function like you, you need, cause you're competing with like uh, polygon, you know, those guys, they're like savages, like some of the best BD people in the, in, in the space. And when you're, when you're trying to bring over projects to do their own app chain, it's very daunting. Like the, the, it's a lot of work. Like you have to bootstrap your validator set. You have to learn go, you have to. And so I really think like a BD function is, is a super important part of this. Uh, and I think there's like Sonny presented like his idea for an orbit chain. At uh, at um the Urban Conference here 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 in Lisbon, which I thought was really interesting, um, and again, it's something that you, you you can only really do. It only really makes sense to do with, with with Cosmos. I think there's also other like, like what about Doge, right? Like they've been trying to move to POS for for like years, um, like putting some effort into trying to get them onto onto Cosmos, and yeah, and, and then I think just in general, like the way the the money's been spent. Um, I wrote a big thread about it, but I, I don't think it's been. I don't think just giving money to the same sort of organizations and with, with, with little kind of accountability and plan on, on, on how to spend it is really a good good use of funds. Obviously, they've, they're they super smart. They've done great work building out the stack. But I think uh, both being more accountable with how that money spent and also like giving it to a broader swath of organizations that can work on, on different things. Like it'd be cool to have someone work on a, on a different implementation of, of like Tendermint, right? It's like a Tendermint 2 thing. I don't know, like the Nethermind team has some ideas for this. Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot that can be done, but it's actually like in a pretty good, I think it's in a pretty good spot right now. You said people were hating on IBC as well. <clears throat> yeah, I think people are just, I mean, not too bullish on Cosmos right now. And you can't, and I mean, with that, it's like if, 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 Cosmos doesn't get users, then no matter how good IBC is, it probably won't be used in other ecosystems, right? So, uh, which would be kind of a shame. I think IBC is really good. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. And, and, and yeah, it's the same thing as Solana. Like you need, you need, people need to have a reason for an app chain. That was the big thing with 
Cosmos over like the last year is you just had these app chains for like, oh, we have an NFT app chain and we have a money market app chain and we have an AMM app chain. And you're just kind of like rebuilding the primitives without some sort of like new product where it's like, okay, I actually need an app chain for this. I'm not just making one for the sake of making one. Um, so there's some cool stuff with like Atomic IBC. Um, the trade-off there is that you have to be like a consumer chain for Atom. But you can have like a bunch of different VMs that all share blocks on different chains with like Atomic cross-chain composability. It's like an idea phase. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I also but, think from a regulatory yeah. perspective, like app chains uh, end up making a lot of sense. Like you can get your validators to do a lot of stuff, um, run front ends, operate bridges, um, like run Oracle services, um, like order books in memory, right? And I think we're just scratching the surface there. Or run, run light clients of, of, of every chain. I guess that's like bridges. But yeah, you can get them to do a lot of stuff um, that I think is, is um, first of all, from a regulatory perspective, like obviously the, the DYDX shift was uh, like very motivated by that, being able to, to credibly say that, that there's no centralized points of failure here. It's all just run by a decentralized group of, of validators, but also just avoiding like, centralization vectors generally like if you're going to go onto a chain you, you trust the validators anyway so why not have them operate the bridge and and the oracle service and stuff like that rather than having additional trust assumptions for everything you interact with and i think that's a lot of the vision of of cosmos is like sovereignty and minimal like with ibc right you, you two sovereign chains trust each other they don't need to trust and a validator set in the middle or a random oracle or, or, or something like that um yeah. But yeah, I definitely think there's been some execution fumbling so far, but I think it's in a good spot. And if the, I think the ICF has a chance to really make a difference if they, if they can like kind of get their act together. Like 200 mil is a lot of money. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, it's not, it, yeah, <clears throat> they've got, yeah, I wouldn't write it off. By any means, because I agree with you a lot. They also raised seventeen mil uh, in the original ICO, so which was you know, what, like seven years Wait, ago. So pretty good. They raised seventeen mil. Yeah, yeah, was it in ETH and they just held it, or? Um, it was in. I think it was like ETH and Bitcoin, like back in the day. But uh, yeah, they no, so they didn't just hold it. Basically, like, like an endowment now. I mean, they, they were in the Celestia seed actually with a with a hundred K ticket. I think Celestia is, gonna, is is was really big for Cosmos. Also, like. Wormhole and DYDX will be really big for Cosmos. Like those will be Cosmos native tokens and the bridged version will trade on Ethereum. And that I think is the most bullish thing long-term for, for, for Cosmos and what it needs to do to win. Like I said, it's just keep attracting billion dollar chains and tokens that are native to Cosmos and connected via IBC. Like, yeah. And there's like, I, I guess you were there last week at Breakpoint before the tokens pumped. Like now there's been some pretty meaningful Cosmos token pumps. So I think people are are like at least speaking to people that they're more bullish. It's funny how that happens. It's Tech it's got a lot yeah, better. It pressure sentiment, right? Always does. I mean, it's it's what's going on with Solana <clears throat> right now too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. unless you you kind of either go one or two paths. You have some uh, kind of long tail viral app, which is hard to pull off, like a step in. Right or or you kind of have to go the DeFi route, and and DeFi is just a, a much more predictable and, and proven path to kind of building out base layer activity and and like base layer utility. So yeah, with price getting higher and 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 building out some some kind of perp type primitives and and allowing for more efficient leverage yeah. and lending, which all which is is, is happening over there. And creates solid tailwinds for for some level of activity, considering you know pr previously it was very minimal. So it makes sense for things to start picking up there. You're not really going to have like capitulation at these levels. That time is kind of behind us, so it should be a, a good setup for a bit of a boon there. And there's just some really good teams as well. Like uh, yeah, some of the best teams that, that I've spoken to in crypto are Cosmos based. Sunny's super smart. Like he's one of the he's one of the most impressive 
Um, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. For some reason my thing muted. He's one of the most impressive founders because he, he has like intimate knowledge of all the ETH protocols, which a lot of Cosmos people don't. And even Solana people I noticed don't like they just, they're, they're very insular. Um, whereas he like understands all the ETH protocols really well and is very deep on the economic side, computer science side, all of that. Then like Neutron, Spade is a beast. The P2P team are really good. Um, Kajira has been crushing it, right? They like got wrecked with Terra, um, relaunched as an L1 and have just been like shipping relentlessly since then. Um, yeah, I mean, Injective has been on a, on a, on a tear this, this, this year. Uh, like the Say team had a bit of a bumpy launch there, but they're building stuff now. And then you have like, obviously the Nomadas and, and stuff of this world. Um, DYDX coming, obviously like super excited for that one. There's just like a lot of talent. Um, and the Skip team as well, like one of the best teams in any ecosystem, I think, uh, working on a lot of like core Cosmos problems. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. Like you, you can't really bootstrap that with a new ecosystem. Like it's hard for, for like the Sui's and Aptos's of this world to really bootstrap like that talent base that, that's interested knows the stack and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, <clears throat> makes sense. Um, so yeah, we'll see like, uh, obviously last few weeks, it felt good. ETF might be coming. Um, maybe we'll see some narratives kind of change. I think this is all we really had to talk about on this episode. Yeah. We'll see how like uh, next couple weeks play out. And then, uh, all right, guys, that was, uh, that was a good one. Covered, covered some Solana stuff, some Cosmos stuff. Um, We'll look forward to see how the next few weeks play out with the ETF news and uh, markets being green for once. And uh, see you again for another episode probably in two weeks.